0: There's no doubt that 2021 is the year that supply chain went mainstream. Juggernauts like the New York Times hired their first ever beat recorder to cover the industry, while Morgan Stanley just released their first supply chain-themed podcast. Side note, it's kind of wild that these two institutions weren't already covering this industry, but I digress. However, one podcast that hasn't been afraid to dive into the global supply chain is Bloomberg's Odd Lots podcast. For the last year and a half, hosts Joe Weisenthal and Tracy Alloway have been exploring and deepening their knowledge on everything from containers to trucking, rail, and of course, the ports. It's really helped someone like myself who comes from the trucking side of things to get a macro perspective on what makes the rest of the industry move and how the pandemic has affected that particular mode of transportation. Hello again, life with DigitalDispatch.io and on this episode, it was a fun one to produce because whether you're a veteran of the industry or a newbie, I've gathered up all of the supply chain odd lots episodes that you can binge over the holiday break and I guarantee you're bound to learn something new. Plus, it's a pretty fascinating deep dive into the other aspects of the global supply chain and how each silo is handling their unique modern day challenges. So if you want to catch up on some good Supply Chain podcasts that you might have missed, I've put together in this episode some of my favorite clips from a handful of those episodes. And then in the show notes, I've linked to all of the shows where the clips came from, along with plenty more you can listen to in the order that they were released. Hope y'all enjoy. Let's
1: switch- gears a little bit from the micro to the macro because i mean you might you may or may not have noticed but freightways just had an entire event yesterday covering the domestic supply chain um but over the last sort of few months i mean really over the last year there have been another podcast that has been sort of exploring the global supply chain and founder uh, freightways founder and ceo craig fuller has been on a couple of those different episodes and which was what originally drew my interest to these shows. But the the podcast is from Bloomberg. It's called Odd Lots. And I have been binging all of their supply chain episodes because as someone who works in marketing, especially coming from the asset side, the 3PL side of things, you can kind of find yourself in a just sort of your own silo where you're not learning about really the rest of the, the global sort of shipping trade, the global supply chain. So these other episodes have been really key in helping me to understand where the backlogs are happening and, and where the different other silos that exist within the industry, where all of those are happening. And so I've gone through all of the, I've re-listened to all of these episodes from Odd Lots because they were so great. I listened to them the first time around. So the second time around, I said, well, you know, we're doing an educational-themed episode, so why not go through all of these episodes, take some notes, and then share some of my favorite clips from each of those episodes. Now, there's a total, I think, of 10 episodes so far. So we're not going to have time to go into all 10, but I picked five of them that I think that you'll find interesting. And the first one that I want to highlight is that really the first episode that they covered, the hosts, uh, Tracy Alloway and Joe Weisenthal, they are the hosts of the Odd Lots podcast. And so the first episode is why Tracy can't ship a teddy bear from Hong Kong to the U.S. right now. This was recorded about a year ago, and one of the hosts, Tracy, she tried to ship, as the title suggests, she tried to ship a teddy bear. From Hong Kong to the U.S. in order to get that experience of what a typical, I guess, straightforwarder forwarder would be experiencing. Um, but what happened is that her shipment kept getting rolled, which I learned in making this segment is akin to getting bumped off of an air, uh, off of a flight. So I learned that these all of these new phrases, but these two experts that they interviewed for this episode shared how some of their customers are experiencing a lot of the same issues and how education and the proactive education has really been crucial to keeping their customers aware of what's going on in the industry. So let's go ahead and play that clip from Shipping Teddy Bears. Like my main question is when you're talking
0: to your clients now what sort of preparations are they making for the future and how creative are they being when it comes to actually transporting stuff because for instance we talked about maybe trying to ship the teddy bear out of China um eventually we decided against that because Bloomberg doesn't actually have an export license and I didn't want to get my entire company in trouble for the purposes of you know a stunt journalism article but uh, is that the kind of stuff you're seeing now? Like, are people just going to lengths or to routes that they wouldn't normally do?
2: Yeah, we're, we're seeing uh, we're seeing all all of the above, right? Some clients that that uh, that are are adjusting well and or are, are understand what's
3: going on and working pra- on a practical ways to to deal with it, to to
2: set expectations properly with their with their customers. And then there's others, right. That are like the deer in the headlights, right. Uh, that, that, uh, what do you mean? Why can't this happen? Uh, this has always been, this, uh, this has always worked. Why not now? And, and so the education process of what's going on, where I'm spending a lot of time sending articles out to clients to show them what's, what's happening in the market and explaining what others are, Uh, What others are seeing and how it's not just a unique situation to uh, not not a unique uh, issue with their particular situation.
1: See, I think that that clip is key because it shows the power of educating your audience. And if you have these resources, being proactive about sharing them with your customers and prospective audience, whether through email or using your website, social media, all of those good things. Now, the next clip that I want to play is titled, How the World's Companies Wound Up in a Deepening Supply Chain Nightmare. Now, the person who is being interviewed is Ryan Peterson, who you might remember a few episodes back. He went viral on Twitter for simply just going out to the and reporting on what problems he's seeing. He's a CEO of Flexport, so he was really proactive in getting out there and getting that firsthand information. Uh, but this next clip, he demonstrates his historical knowledge on maritime shipping. Let's go ahead and
4: play that clip. Okay. I haven't even gotten into all the Viking English that still predominates in global trade. There's a lot of... There's a, oh, tell, <laughs> some, tell us some. Tell us them. The word for chucking is called drayage, which is, I guess, to, is that an old word for dragging something, like when you had horses uh. dragging. Uh, You have a bill of lading. Yeah. Uh, Well, that lading is an old English word for loading. Um, And the bill of Of lading, this is to show you how ancient this industry is. Like the bill of lading is is a piece of paper that serves as title to the merchandise. By default in global trade in this 2021 today, by default, that piece of paper needs to be flown across the ocean to be given to the new owner. (laughs) So your containers going along slowly like this, your piece of paper gets flown around and then you need to present that at the port to be able to pick up your container. It's not, it's crazy.
1: That is just a sample size of all of the knowledge that that Ryan drops on that particular episode. And I've linked in the show notes, if you're listening on on podcast version, you should be able to click that episode in another episode because Ryan was so good that he was featured on another episode just recently of the Odd Lots podcast. So I've got both of those linked in the show notes as well as all the other ones that I'm mentioning during this segment. Uh, But the next one that I want to play is coming from Craig Fuller. And he talks about this episode as the trucking episode and why the industry is such a mess. It was recorded over the summer summer and Craig goes into detailing how the nuances of buying and selling trucks right now as a depreciating asset versus the rest of the industry where if you purchase an asset it has a it has a long-term value where it's just the opposite in trucking so let's go ahead and play that next clip
2: Yeah. So there's a used market. Uh, Now, you can't today get a new truck. So the issue is that this is an asset. So the other thing creates real economic issues for trucking companies, typically that own assets. If you think about owning assets, if you own a building or a warehouse, you're going to that asset over time should appreciate and over time, uh, you're going to hold on to that for 30 years. Even in the shipping industry, as you guys have covered, those ships have life cycles of 20 to 30 years. And so if I go buy a ship, I'm able to uh, operate that ship for 30 years. In trucking, I'm only going to be able to operate that truck for three years. Oh. Uh and so, so really, as I run that truck and put as many miles as I can, there is a secondary market for that. Uh, and so typically what happens is the larger fleets or the owner operators that run nationwide will end up running the truck for three years. And after the three year cycle, they will end up selling it into a secondary market, which will end up going to more localized operations, port operators, people that don't have as strenuous sort of over the road, long haul demands. And so uh, because of that, uh, the trucking companies have to go out and buy new trucks every three, you know, they're constantly buying new equipment. So you have this really big issue uh, where, that, you know, trucks don't hold their value. So based on what cycle it we're in in terms of boom or bust depends on how well they do. And so that's a pretty significant issue. But uh, right now, uh, used trucks have gone up about 40% in the last three months. So it's good if you own equipment and you can sell that equipment if you have too many trucks and not enough drivers, you're, you're doing quite well because your balance sheets have really, really improved. And so we're actually seeing a lot of that. But ordering a new truck, you're about nine months out uh, to get it. If you ordered a truck today, it would take you approximately nine months to get it. And that is assuming that they will even take your order. Right now, a lot of the OEMs are not actually accepting new truck orders. Wow.
1: And so from the perspective of we've talked about it from the shipping side of things with or the customer really side of things. We've talked about it from the trucking side of things now. And we've also talked a little bit briefly about from the port side of things. Now, the final clip that I want to play is what the pandemic did to the U.S. rail system and and. <laughs> I think this, the rail system often gets overlooked compared to other modes of transportation. I know it's one of my more weaker points when it comes to the educational awareness within the industry, uh, but the first six months of intermodal traffic has moved more goods this year than any other previous year. And I think that that can be surprising because I, I know of freight cargo, but I didn't know that there were different speed levels comparing to regular freight cargo and depending on the uh, commodity that you're shipping via rail. So there's a lot of nuances to it when I didn't really think there were that many nuances to it. So let's play the final clip on the rail
3: efficiency. Let's talk about. So right now we're just talking about this, this intermodal traffic, this container traffic. And I think we need to take a step back and look at rail's role in the kind Mm -hmm. of the overarching economy. And it's important to remember that that rail is is moving the goods economy the tangible economy so whether it's industrial products whether it's agriculture products of all kinds whether it's chemicals whether it's automotive uh automobiles rail moves about 75 percent of finished automobiles uh not to mention uh, a very high percentage of a lot of the components that go into automotives during the during the manufacturing process of course, going back to the challenges we're seeing in the semiconductor area, there impacting that, and then intermodal covers at this point probably about half of rail traffic. Um, that has tra- changed over the years. Uh, coal used to amount for approximately twenty five percent of all rail traffic. I would say you know societal shifts, market shifts have dramatically reduced that. But what we've what we've grown in place of that is this explosive growth in in consumer goods and and container traffic. So. Railroads are are managing all of those different types of uh, of products that they're moving through their pipelines at any given time, and those different types of products need to be moved at different levels of pace based on customer demand. So there are certain commodities that that can move at a more measured pace, but your your premium products, your your intermodal traffic, your your UPS traffic, UPS is the largest customer for the rail industry writ large. Um, that stuff needs to move very quickly. And so railroads have designed their networks to to allow for the staggering of uh, different different speed of traffic that's required to, to meet customers' needs. And so you hit on, you know, the the relatively limited number of major gateways that that rail traffic needs to flow to. And I would say that's what we're primarily talking about, that traffic that, again, comes from the West Coast and needs to uh, disperse in the middle of the country. And so you mentioned Chicago. We talked about Kansas City, Memphis, New Orleans, St. Louis. Those are the the, the main ones that come to mind. I can tell you that, that our railroads have built out over the years, very efficient systems that allow for a very speedy movement of goods from the west coast into these gateways and they're designed as such because those gateways are the ones that have the the terminal capacity to 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 sort shift and rebuild trains as needed to hand off to the eastern partners or you know we're we're not even talking about the east coast but we have a similar situation uh inverse situation coming from the east coast going going west or into the heartland as well but i can tell you there's these networks have been designed in a very methodical and very intentional way to allow for a very efficient movement of interline traffic into the middle of the country where it can then get dispersed as needed
1: that that clip was particularly interesting because the whole interview itself, they they talk about how freight rail is the best in the world because it's privately owned and funded. So I thought that that was another interesting note coming from that episode. But it's a lot of really good insight. Like I said, I have linked to all of these different shows. It's sort of like a a mini masterclass or like a Cliff Notes version is probably the the better way to put it for all of the different modes of transportation uh, working with global, uh, global supply chain and just the overall impact of how each industry kind of works in a silo and then how they work together or don't work together with other parts of the transportation process. So it's a lot of really good insight that I hope that you will take advantage of over this holiday break. Like I said, I've got them linked in the episode show notes, um, but it's really a historical and educational dive into both of those things. Now, as we close out the show, I just wanted to take a quick moment and wish all of you a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. We will see y'all right back here. On Freightwaves TV in 2022
0: every Thursday, 2 p.m. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. If you like what you heard, consider sharing it with a friend. Podcast discoverability is a bit of a challenge for creators like myself. So word of mouth goes a long way. You can check out past episodes of the show by hitting up the learn page on digitaldispatch.io. I also have some free courses on the site that cover content marketing, distribution, and even how to audit your own website. That's going to come in handy as everyone starts to prepare for those 2022 budgets. While you're there, you can also check out our socials, the DIY shop, or custom services. Until next time, I'm Blythe Bromley, and I will see you real soon.